This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin, Super Spreading Bitcoin 2022. Today is March the 2nd, 2022. I, I know three people have birthdays today. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. One day closer to an all-time high. Don't FOMO on. I am offended by selling. All right, dudes. We got two new guests here. We got Leviticus. He's returning. You might remember. It's been a while since he's been here. Matthew Pines is in the freaking house. Citizen of Satoshi. He's here. He's going to bring us some esoteric Bitcoin stuff. He's got a Twitter spaces. We will talk all about it. If you guys got questions, we got answers. Do a super chat. Type in Bitcoin Meister. Do whatever you got to do to get my attention. We only need 34 more dollars to do another one Bitcoin show next week. We're going to talk about hanging out in Miami at the Miami Bitcoin Conference. I'm going to give you the official promo. If you want to buy tickets, use the Adam10 discount code. But we will talk about it in the middle of the show. It is April 6th to 9th in Miami. This weekend is unconfiscatable in Las Vegas. I think I have a free extra ticket. DM me or uh, do something to catch my attention. Uh, email me. It's linked to below if you want to go to Las Vegas uh, for Tone's event. And we'll talk about another event coming up in Oklahoma City on uh, You can also use the Adam10 discount code. It's linked to below. That will be on in Oklahoma City. And I'll be the MC April the, uh, no, March the 26th, which is a Saturday. So let, let's start off with, with the news uh, of this week in Bitcoin. Okay, we're doing this early, obviously, because I'm going to be in Vegas on Friday. We don't usually do this on Wednesday. But, uh, well, Bitcoin is in the mainstream narrative. To say the least, to say the it's in the mainstream because of this war uh, that's going on between uh, Russia and Ukraine in, in in the Ukraine. And I just only a few months ago, I would not have predicted, you know, people were talking about, you know, problems between Russia and Ukraine and should the United States get involved. And a lot of people say, you know, if you want to get involved, you go send your son over there or you go over there to fight. OK. But what we are living through now is that individuals are sending Bitcoin to get involved in, in, and fund either side. I mean, the, the Ukrainians have official Twitter uh, tweets you know, asking for Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot. The freaking guy in charge of Polkadot said, I'll give you $5 million worth of Polkadot if you put up a Polkadot address. And they did. They're going to have an airdrop. Ukraine is going to have an airdrop for the people. They're going to give away some token for people who have helped funding funded them. This is, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much uh, Bitcoin has progressed and it's showing its usefulness. But at the same time, this could quote unquote backfire. We're going to have people saying it's a way to get around sanctions. We're going to say uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be a way to strengthen Putin and I think that's something a lot of people believe right now, that the, the Russian economy can save itself because of Bitcoin. I, I don't believe that. I know Matthew probably doesn't believe that. And Matthew's going to start this off. I think it's empowering for individuals. The ruble is going down the toilet no matter what we do, okay? It, 
Russians should have already been aware of this for a while. Every Ukrainians should have been aware that they're, whatever they use is going to go down the toilet. All these third world, I mean, they're basically third world countries, uh, the, the currencies, developing countries' currencies are, 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 are terrible. And people should, we've been screaming about Bitcoin for these people for a while. So there's no, I mean, it's terrible that, you know, people who value their wealth in ruble are, you know, they're not worth very much anymore. But I mean, they could have gotten the Bitcoin a while ago. And now it's, it's a lot harder because Ukrainians are saying, no, we don't want Russians to be able to use exchanges anymore. I think that's ludicrous. I think exchanges should let Russians dump their freaking rubles, okay? Let the ruble go down the toilet. So there's a lot of nuance to what's going on. Individual Russians, individual Ukrainians versus what does Bitcoin do for them versus what it does for countries. So Matthew, I said a lot. What is going on? Lead us through this situation. What is going on? I mean, a lot's going on. I think that's the first thing to recognize is that it's been in a, sort of an unprecedented week in sort of geopolitics and kind of the strategic situation in the world. Uh, and so trying to make sense of it all in real time is, you know, first point kind of a fool's, fool's errand. So uh, kind of it's important to kind of be humble about not understanding exactly how this is all going to play out. Um, and the second thing I would just say is that Bitcoin is not like necessarily the biggest story in the world, right? I mean, I'm a Bitcoiner. I love how Bitcoin has a subplot in this larger uh, uh, sort of uh, situation. I know, but it's like a real war in Europe that could escalate in all sorts of terrible ways. Uh, it's like, you know, from my thinking, like strategically, there's a lot of bad scenarios that sort of have nothing to do with Bitcoin that I'm also kind of thinking about. Um, but Bitcoin is now relevant, as you said, to those uh, geopolitical contests in a way that was unthinkable, right, even a year ago. And so, you know, now it's not crazy to ask the question, how does Bitcoin play a role in this scenario, right? That question probably would have been crazy a year or two, right? And so, um, uh, you know, trying to understand and analyze how the situation would evolve if Bitcoin never existed would be, you know, infinitely complex, right? These situations, very complex, very unpredictable, and so trying to you know predict how Bitcoin's gonna play a role just adds additional layer of complexity. So I just want to preface that. Like I don't have all the answers. I don't know exactly how it's gonna unfold. Um, what's your point about like how Bitcoin has has come into play in the narrative in the past week? It has been sort of through those two angles. One, and they're kind of contradictory kind of storylines, right? One is as support for kind of freedom fighters, uh, where you know, like the Patreon for a Ukrainian NGO was shut down because they violated the terms of service by purchasing military articles to help with the civil defense. It's like they're fighting for their lives, and you know, you shut off their ability to raise uh, the, the ability to raise money. Guess what? Bitcoin's right there to to sort of pick up the pick up the uh, the ball uh, that you dropped, and and then the Ukrainian government themselves has come out and said, hey, like we'll get in get in on that Bitcoin action, post their address to Twitter accepting 22, maybe up to $30 million worth of donations already. So quite quite a dramatic storyline, pro-Bitcoin, wow, look at the, the power of Bitcoin uh, in this scenario. The other storyline has been Russia sanctions, oh, Bit Bitcoin is bad guy money, it's going to help the bad guys. Um, and that's an easy go-to narrative by the people that just like to sort of um, cudgel Bitcoin. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, one of the, the things we just put out through the Bitcoin policy suit was like a, just a just a sort of factual debunking of that, um, that, you know, you string together the words Bitcoin sanctions, it just sort of people connect the dots in their minds, even if there's no like factual basis for it. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of nuanced, as you mentioned, it's complex, right? Bitcoin is good and useful for Russians, individuals trying to escape the collapsing ruble. 
Uh, it is a really important tool to allow anyone around the world that's facing currency distress to escape into a harder asset. Uh, and honestly, that's in alignment with Western policy objectives through sanctions, right? We're, the whole point of sanctions is to get people to sell the ruble. So they can sell the ruble for dollars, they can sell it to Bitcoin, it's still bad for the ruble. So net net, if your objective is to impose economic pain on the Russian economy and hurt the ruble, people are selling out of the ruble into Bitcoin. And it's in a form of wealth that's hard for the Russian government to seize. Uh, so it's even better than their alternatives that, that are potentially seizable. So if you're trying to extract, you know, potential economic capacity from the Russian war machine, Bitcoin is a tool to help you do that. Um, and a specific argument that people have made that it's helpful for the Russian state to escape sanctions, that is a whole nother question that I just don't think Bitcoin itself right now is in a position macroeconomically to be geopolitically useful to the Russian state as the Russian central bank, the Russian national wealth fund, the Russian ministry of finance. It's just not going to be all that helpful to them. And they've already built other alternatives, right? And they have those alternatives they're going to go to, namely their gold and yuan reserves and the relationship with China and this, the swift alternatives that they've set up in the past few years. That's how they'll try to escape sanctions is through their oil exports that they can choose to denominate in gold or yuan or some combination thereof gold back ruble, however they choose to play it. Their leverage point is the fact that they have massive commodity um, exports, stranglehold on the marginal pricing power for a barrel of oil and natural gas. And China, who is kind of hedging their bets right now, but is clearly uh, still still on their side when it comes uh, to the sort of brass tax. So I think it's the bottom line is Bitcoin's good for Russians to escape uh, collapsing ruble, but individual Russians are not sanctioned right now. We did not sanction individual Russians. We sanctioned specific Russian entities and oligarchs. And Bitcoin is not going to be the helpful to them individually as as that as those um, geopolitical actors to escape uh, those sanctions. So, you know, again, nuance, you have to kind of cut through the narrative and sort of the, the simple framing and try to figure out, well, like, practically speaking, what does this truly mean on the, uh, you know, uh, in reality? Um, and so that's what we try to do. Um, you know, people will still want to, you know, pick up the cudgel and whack Bitcoin for bad guy money. But, you know, those are the people that will do that no matter what. BTCpolicy.org, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's a new think tank. We just kind of set, you know, stood it up as like a proof of concept, right? Like there weren't that many um, organizations out there just trying to like present like a neutral fact-based kind of analytical perspective on some of these questions. So the first topic was like how to combat the climate energy FUD especially given some of the hearings in Congress and taking a very Bitcoin focused position on it. Right. So not trying to muddle the waters with crypto more generally. And there's a lot of advocacy groups in D.C. that are taking kind of the broader crypto industry um, perspective. We were just Bitcoin only and we're not a lobbying group. So we're not trying to convince or lobby members of Congress or do the political game. We're just a think tank trying to put out, you know, well-founded objective research and analysis to kind of be a, be a resource, right? Because it's, you know, people going back and forth on Twitter, you know, who's right? But it's like, all right, here's an authoritative source. Here's a well-designed, slick infographic or article or report that people can reference that is like well-resourced, well-researched, that clearly lays out kind of the facts of the case. That's a value add for the broader community. So we thought there's value in that. Um, we're just getting off the ground. So first was kind of energy and climate stuff. Now it's obviously going to be more national security sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, we're hoping to, you know, Help, uh, help improve the conversation. And I, I want to talk about how uh, well, some of the freedom promoting aspects of Bitcoin under authoritarian regimes. Uh, but one thing I just want to, you know, make people, I, I guess, think a little bit here. If Russia really wanted, if the Russian government, the Russian state 
was going to use Bitcoin to get around sanctions, they already would have had to have an incredible amount of Bitcoin, probably not enough. They probably don't have Bitcoin. So if they were to wanting to use Bitcoin to get around sanctions, the way they're going to use the yuan and whatever to get, they would have to buy so much Bitcoin right now. It would it would just blow up the market, wouldn't it? They couldn't buy the amount of Bitcoin that they need to get around. Well, and, and even if they tried, like the U.S. would win because we have most of the Bitcoin, right? We've got a plurality of the hash share. We probably got the majority of Bitcoin under custody or, or individual holders' hands. So every marginal Russian buyer just bids up the price of U.S. holders' Bitcoin. So, I mean, go for it, Putin. I would love it, right? Like, um, But it's not going to – but they're going to net net lose, uh, right? Um now, like gold's a different story, right? Like, I don't know exactly how much you know, Russia has declared gold. China has, I'm sure, a whole bunch of undeclared gold. I don't know how much the United States has gold. So gold is going to be their move. That's what they've been acquiring kind of strategically while dumping treasuries for the past 10, 15 years. So gold is like their clear, you know, primary play there. Um, yeah, I mean, if they decided to do some sort of overnight, hey, screw it, we're just going to only accept Bitcoin for our oil sales, right? And we're going to post the Bitcoin address on our Russian you know, Twitter feed that hasn't been blocked, just like Ukrainians. Well, now all of their commodity buyers have to go out and buy that Bitcoin. And that's basically, you know, right now, I mean, again, I don't know what the effects of sanctions will be. It was basically, you know, roughly speaking, like a billion dollars a day would be net new buying pressure uh, in the open market by those commodity buyers that would have to, you know, sell Brazilian real, sell euros to buy Bitcoin to then give to Russia in exchange for oil or gas, if that was the move they were going to make. All that would be priced in all at once. And so Bitcoin would go from 30K to 300K. And you'd be a one-time wealth effect. But then after that, all the net, you know, daily export revenue is just going to be denominated at that higher Bitcoin price level. So, you know, you, yeah, yeah, to your point, you have to have been acquiring so much of it to, to stand a benefit from that one-time, like, windfall price readjustment. But, I mean, they, they have probably have some Bitcoin. I know the Russian Central Bank, as when they were doing the kind of the crypto debate, they threw out estimate they had maybe twenty, thirty billion dollars worth of Bitcoin held by Russians, like overall in exchanges. Um, you know, sizable, but like U.S. has probably five, ten times that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they could try. I don't think it would be a very smart move. <laughs> uh, but yeah. All right, you would put a lot on the table there. That's why I wanted to start with you. We'll go to Citizen Satoshi here. Uh, what? What is your take, man, on seeing, you know, on Twitter or social media, Ukraine asking for Bitcoin donations and everything that we just said, the, 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 vilificate, the, the possible vilification of Bitcoin that will be coming up uh, from politicians in the United States, uh, even saying this is this is something that's that's helping the bad guys. We should regulate it because of uh, it's funding a war. Yeah, like the way I see it, it's really just an, a war on the narrative. Um, I, what Matthew is saying, it's like <clears throat> nobody can predict how this whole thing is going to shake out. I think for the first time we're seeing like Bitcoin inserted into the world stage for all these geopolitical things that are happening. So nobody has any idea how that's going to work out. Like the, the trucker thing was such a revelation to me because as soon as before, as soon as they got banned with the, um, what was it? GoFundMe going down, canceling all their stuff, closing bank accounts, like they, it just would have been done. It would have been all over. But Bitcoin stepped in and everybody's like, oh, well, we just have this alternative thing. Nobody can censor us, uh, you know, middle finger. And so before Bitcoin, nobody would have predicted that. And so what's going on with Ukraine and Russia right now? It's like this this new thing is on the stage. It's going to make its presence known. We don't really know how that's going to play out. Um, but really, it's it's the narrative battle because 
whoever wants to demonize it, like you were saying at the start, they're just going to link it to everything bad Russia's doing, you know, try to link these two ideas in people's minds. But there's so much seeing through of that false narrative now. It's like people are just they're coming on board more and more and more every single day because it's just a lie. It's just blatant lie after blatant lie. And people pick up on that. They stop losing. They start losing trust uh, and they realize like Bitcoin doesn't have an agenda. It doesn't have a political ideology. It's just something you can use to secure your freedom and your sovereignty. Uh, and when you do that, you're empowered. Like you need to leave your country because there's a war and you want to go to the bank. They don't give you your money. You have Bitcoin, you have a seed phrase and you're out of there. So it's going to shift the nature of war. It's going to shift all these things over time. Um, it's just like, they're like early use cases, like these, this war that's happening the thing with the protests and the tyrannical government, all that stuff. It's just, it's just building use cases for Bitcoin that we didn't even really know about. Dude, what you just said about shifting the nature of war and a use case that we did not know about. There, there you go. I would not have been private donations to fund wars. I know that sounds horrifying, but that's what we're, that's what we're seeing. It's, but I mean, it, it does get people, you know, in America that are like, we should be, we should be sending troops there. No, put your money where your mouth is. Use that Ukrainian donation address and, and send them the money there. There, you participated there. It, it, it takes care of that. Now, you're a very good point about the battle of the narrative here. All right. And so let, let's, uh, let us explore that here. Uh, but well, first of all, Chris Bleck says Bitcoin has never been more important to freedom, uh, important to freedom from tyranny than it is today. I predict that it will be fiercely attacked by the most powerful people in the world this year. And lo and behold, uh, Elizabeth Warren says cryptocurrencies risk undermining sanctions against Russia, allowing Putin and his cronies to evade economic pain. Jerome Powell says Russia's invasion of the Ukraine could emphasize a need for cryptocurrency regulation to prevent sanctioned individuals from using cryptocurrencies to evade sanctions. So, I mean, my question is, well, I believe because of btcpolicy.org, because of all the loud voices in social media, because um, the, the one issue voters out there that hopefully will be very loud soon, that the United States will not screw up its economic policy in order to uh, punish foreign entities because they're so-called, they're evil, okay? That we will continue, the United States will continue to let Bitcoin flourish here as it has. But there is a chance that, you know, if the, the narrative is picked up that, you know, Bitcoin is bad, if the Jerome Powell's of the world, if the Elizabeth Warren's of the world have their way, we, we could have some increased regulation for the sake of, you know, preventing Putin's cronies from, from, from ruling the world or, so, you know, Russia, Russia, Russia <laughs> again. So, uh, Really good points about a uh, narrative there. Uh, so is there anything else you want to add after I, I just added those quotes? Anything triggered? Well, what you said reminded me of something. It's like, what what is free speech? It's like your enemies can say what they want. People you disagree with can say what they want. And so do you? Do I want Bitcoin going to Ukraine? Like, not really, not especially, but I like free speech. And I think America was kind of founded on free speech. And so if we want to like actually stand by those principles – we have to let Bitcoin do its thing because fundamentally it is free speech. Yeah. Freedom of funding is freedom of speech, man. If you're not allowed to, to 
fun. I mean, it, your your speech is being cut off, uh, and Bitcoin is the only uncensorable money that's out there. Everything else, as the Canadians learned, uh, can be hardcore censored in Canada. Now, everyone's forgotten what happened two weeks ago, last week, whenever it was now, that uh, Trudeau uh, and the Canadian government didn't like uh, a certain faction uh, having their voices heard. So if you, uh, you know, gave them a few dollars from your Canadian bank account, it was temporarily shut down. Uh, just just insanity. Uh, and Bitcoin was the un uncensorable alternative to all of this. And there are plenty of people now on social media that are saying I was wrong about Bitcoin. I, I'm not going to quote them specifically or who, you know, some of them, you don't even know who they, you know, the tech guys who were like, yeah, this Bitcoin thing. I don't, now they're saying they were wrong about it because they see I mean, so-called free countries are censoring people's speech. So Alien Financial, you were in, uh, or Alien, Leviticus, Alien Financial, whatever you want to call yourself. Uh, he's linked below, pound that like button. He's been on the show before. Uh, you're in Canada. And uh, so you've got a unique take on uh, Canada's news disappearing from the mainstream, but also on uh, what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia. So we've said a lot here. Take it away. You can say anything you want. Well, I just want to say when they had their uh, GoFundMe seized, they didn't quite learn yet. And then they went to give, send, go, and it got seized again. And I guess the third time's the, the charm. But I've actually gone to these protests, and I can't tell you how much resistance there is to Bitcoin. You have the precious metal people thinking it's a scam. You have other, you have thought leaders in, in the convoy saying that it's a new world order scam to get everyone on a one world currency. I'm trying so hard to educate these people that, no, this is freedom money. This is how you donate to the truckers. And for some reason, people just refuse to put in the time and the homework. And um, I, I was almost made fun of for trying to, like, uh, re represent Bitcoin in this uh, convoy thing. And um, I, I, I just don't know how to begin the education uh, pr process. And I guess, like, a burned hand learns best. And now... These people are on lists now because lefties have hacked the um, the, the, the donation uh, participants. And now, um, like, I, I've heard of some people's bank accounts getting frozen. And there's a website called frozenbankaccount.com, which can help you get set up onto Bitcoin if you were unaware or, or you need to, um, you know, start to utilizing it because your bank account got frozen. Um, dude, dude, I mean, I, some of the things that you heard in person... I read all the time in comment sections from these doomers. I mean, when will they learn? I mean, dude, it's, it's like right in your faces. How can you say it's a new world order scam to enslave you when you're being freaking enslaved right in front of your faces? You can't, you, 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 you can't do anything anymore. I mean, uh, the, the truckers are, you know, have to get, well, I can't say the words. And you, you know what I mean? Your bank account's getting shut. You're a financial slave. And they're and they're saying that Bitcoin is the slavery machine. Very interesting. Um, maybe the Ukraine stuff will, will wake them up now. I I don't know. I, I don't. Know. Very interesting. Do you, do you have a take on the Ukraine Russia side of things? Um. Well, I think it's very funny how um all the anti-gun people now are all like support. They're supporting all the guns they're handing out to the Ukrainians now, and how they're like encouraging Ukrainian pride. But, you know, any other sort of European pride in Canada is very, like, not cool. And um, I, these lefties' logics, they, they're totally just contradicting themselves. And then 
Um, you know, uh, one moment uh, Bitcoin is uh, child trafficking money, and then the next moment it's freedom money for the Ukrainians. And um, and what's really sad about all this is like I actually have family members who believe the narrative about like the truckers being racist. Uh, and just all the baloney that the, the mainstream narrative put, puts out, like they quote CNN articles and, um, you know, there definitely is a, uh, an intelligence war going on. And um, it's just such a shame that Justin Trudeau has the, uh, the Canadian media basically wrapped up around his, his finger and uh, like they all but believe what, what, they, what they tell him. Yeah, it, is, it is a narrative, narrative battle out there. Bitcoin financed the truckers protest in Canada. Bitcoin financed pro-democracy forces in Myanmar. Bitcoin financed armed civilians in Ukraine. And it's only February. Well, no, it's only March. I hope you're paying attention, says Zach Ball. Well, there actually are some people that aren't paying attention. <laughs> still, still, they're, they're still stuck in their uh, developing world fiat. I mean, again, I, I bring up South Africa a lot. Dude, if you still own South African rand after everything that's happened, you know, you could, you in South Africa, you could pretend you're like Canada if you want to. Or in South Africa, you could say you're like the Ukraine. Dude, don't hold that fiat over there. Your rands are uh, going to have their day in the sun also, or day, day in a bad place. All right, so let's let's go back to Matthew here, because you have written, uh, you've written an article about, the, you know, how well I, I think there's some people that uh that that, that feel if, if an enemy of the united states embraces uh bitcoin that the united states should go against it now the thing is is bitcoin empowers individuals to bring down their authoritarian governments i i i think it does so uh, an authoritarian government that for some reason starts to promote bitcoin and i really don't see that happening but if they do it is like the back door to destroying that authoritarian government. So um, this article of yours on, uh, what was it on? Real real Clear po Politics was it on? Mm -hmm. I linked it below. And talk about some of the aspects of it. Yeah, so that's been one of the things that kind of got me into the Bitcoin space in, the, in particular. Like I don't have much to, I'm not a good memer. I don't have a uh, very good, uh, you know, Twitter uh, repartee. I'm just like a nerd on all things kind of national security, geopolitics, macroeconomics, and and Bitcoin. So I figured I'll sort of write on that. I'm also an American. So like, I want to see America succeed. Like I want to see the geography where I live to be like secure and safe and healthy and economically vibrant. And so I want anything that's possible to make that happen. I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of Um and so, you know, but I, but I do recognize like these, this is a geopolitical contest um, between, you know, certain systems of government, right, kind of uh, represented by what you see in Russia and China that are, you know, authoritarian, if not a totalitarian dictatorships that have a certain view about individual liberty, private property, freedom of expression, political freedom. Uh, that's uh, the opposite of, of, of what we at least hold up as our political ethos in the West, right? Now, recent events have somewhat called into question our commitment to that ethos, but I still think it's worth as Americans standing up for any tools that can help reinforce that ethos, and especially in opposition to these forces on the global stage that are, you know, clearly uh, have malevolent um, uh, objectives in mind. And so, you know, I think there's a natural alignment there between Bitcoin as a tool for freedom and empowerment, but also economic growth. Uh, and U.S. national security interests, right? Like, you know, there's kind of the soft argument that you would make, like the values argument, like, you know, what do you prefer, you know, China coin or Bitcoin, right? Like, clearly Bitcoin's better than China coin. 
Uh, and ChinaCoin is trying to be exported around the world. They're using the dollar system against us to make these uh, uh, you know, dollar-based loans around the world through the Belt and Road Initiative, essentially doing sort of soft imperialism. Um, and then on the back of that is coming the digital yuan. Uh, so again, what are you doing to counter that? Um, you know, Bitcoin, dollar-based stable coins together as a potent force uh, against against China sort of on the international stage. But domestically, you know, there's been huge portions of the population that have been, you know, redlined out of mortgages, uh, you know, systematically excluded from the financial system, underbanked, debanked. And Bitcoin is a financial tool of inclusion for those people. So very much a progressive force for economic broad-based empowerment uh, and for folks that, you know, uh, are vulnerable to the whims of both bureaucrats in in companies as well as bureaucrats in 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 in, uh, in national bureaucracies, um, and so I think you know it's in alignment there with our domestic interests as well. So try to make the argument that you know it's in alignment with our values. It helps enforce those values overseas against against geopolitical competitors that have that don't have our best interests at heart. Um, and like broad you know like core economic interests, like we've got like a huge amount of Bitcoin. We've got huge share of Bitcoin mining. We've got Bitcoin listed companies on the stock market. Like we stand to gain disproportionately as an economy from Bitcoin's success um, uh, to the detriment of countries like China that have kicked Bitcoin miners out and banned Bitcoin transactions. So like kind of, I don't know why it's even controversial. It's like, seems to be obvious that like Bitcoin succeeding is good for America. Now there are people that are close to power that have wedded their personal interests to the success of the legacy machine that has allowed them to sort of extract value from everyone else and keep themselves in power. And those people also have a louder voice than everyone else. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do is challenge the narrative of that kind of select legacy kind of institutional elite that, um, that like the current system and it's working for them, but it's not working for many other people. Yeah. Uh, the, the Brad Sherman's of the world. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he seems to be a guy that likes uh, the, the way uh, things, things have been working. He actually had a, take about this war lately i forgot well, i don't know i try to black black the guy out. <laughs> just unfollow yeah yeah well i would never people retweet Mute. i would never follow such a horrible person um all right very good so yes it it helps free people all over the world don't don't buy into the elizabeth warren narrative the brad the brad sherman narrative people uh it's your, your link to below uh that that article in particular Freaking best guest in the space. I'm bringing you different people every week here, dudes. Pound that freaking like button. Oh, do you think that the uh, now that there's a war going on, uh, do you think the Fed will use it as an excuse not to raise rates? I know they just set or to slow down their rate maneuvers. Uh, uh, you know, everyone has their opinion on that. Uh, as as Chairman Powell said today, you know, they'll uh, do it as appropriate. Uh, I, I think structurally, right? I look at not what their decisions. Um, what they say, I look at like, like just like what they're constrained by and they're just constrained, right? Like there's, there's so much debt, the coming uh, commodity led inflation that's going to be precipitated by the, by the Ukraine crisis that's already baked in, let alone if, if Russia tries to pull the um, oil as a weapon card to retaliate, you know, it's going to trigger persistent inflation in the West, which, you know, they've, you know, team transitory has been, has been struggling mightily for a while now as the excuse of, uh, you know, to sort of keep bondholders in their pens and just taking, taking the financial repression uh, punishment, uh, you know, with the hope that it'll let up eventually. But I think structurally, right, like real interest rates are going to stay negative. Uh, higher oil prices even make that pain even more. Boxes the Fed in, it's, you know, classic stagflationary debt trap. 
and yeah, like I think he has to raise rates at the March meeting just because it's like his like last shred of credibility left is to just do something like that. But then he'll be looking for any excuse after that to to pivot. Um, now, it, it, but it entirely, I think a lot of it does depend on, on what Putin does or doesn't do. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that'll that'll affect just how much how much room the Fed does have for subsequent rate hikes. But I almost think it's sort of trivial regardless, like 25 basis points when you've got like seven, eight, nine, 10 percent inflation and, you know, one point seven on the, on the 10 year. It's like, what are you like? You, you, what are you doing? Like, it's not going to move the needle. So I don't know. Uh, it's it's anyone's guess. Uh, I just think, you know, his options have become we're, we're narrow before and they're even more narrow now. Um, and he's just trying to make it seem like he's still in control. But the wheel he's turning isn't connected to much. What, what bothers me is that so many people base their financial decisions on what this Chairman Mao. I, it sounds like Chairman Mao when we say Chairman Mao, what, what, what he what he decides. Um, I, I just want to remind everyone that uh, we can go back two years now to March 12th and 13th. When the, everyone got freaked out about the virus and uh, the financial markets all barfed, including Bitcoin. And I knew there's a day after tomorrow, the <laughs> virus will pass <laughs> just like uh, this war will pass people. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of people that sold a lot because of the war. Oh, we're living in uncertain times. No, I'm certain of Bitcoin. OK, pound that like button. I'm certain that Bitcoin will be here tomorrow. I'm certain this war will eventually will end and guess what we're not fighting this war and uh, who knows so uh just stick with your premise people bitcoin is freedom money and we will we will move on here to citizen satoshi we just said we just said a lot since the last time we spoke canada we're talking about we're talking about uh, bitcoin is freedom money is, is there anything you want to add well i, I kind of want to go to leviticus's point earlier about it's almost like what's what's your elevator pitch for Bitcoin? Because I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I heard Bitcoin a handful of times when it was sixty dollars or so, and I just thought that's dumb. I don't need that. Like, why would I need that? And so, yeah, you get your hand burnt, and that that kind of wakes you up to what it is. But I think it's like Bitcoin people, if we can craft a successful elevator pitch, you get someone on board, and then Bitcoin does the rest because. You, you, I don't know about you. I don't know anyone who's really gone into Bitcoin and then gone back out. Like it's a one-way street. So you get people in and they buy into the narrative and then they get their, their financial energy tied up with it. And then the NGU takes over and it's kind of like, it's, it's all done. And so it seems maybe slow or like, I, I feel your pain. You go to these trucker rallies and people are like, Bitcoin, like what does that have to do with what we're trying to do here? And they just don't see it right away. But even if a handful of people do and they just keep spreading it, it just it's 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 exponential. But we're at the, the low part of the curve. We just don't see it yet. Well, you, you make a good point about it being a one way street. But there's a caveat to that. It's a one way street for the people who properly get into it for the traders and the flippers. And it's not they they they, they leave. They, they, they come and go. They leave whatever. If you if you understand what it really is and you properly hold it. I mean, I've never, hold a, I've never heard of anyone who stored Bitcoin on a Trezor that gave up on their Bitcoin afterwards. That was that, that was it. <laughs> there was there's it was it was there. If you know how to if you know how to store it properly, you you are set. But man, it, it, it's hard to get people to to that to that level. I mean, it's real easy to buy it at Coinbase 
and then get freaked out when you when you hear World War III is coming. Well, now it's time to sell it because I the guy on CNN said we're going to have a war. I mean, so uh, definitely definitely a good point. And yeah, the the elevator pitch uh, is a big big part of what all uh, so called influencers that are good people are are, are working on. And uh, there, there there are some. I mean, I mean for me, it's you know the proof is in the pudding. How how can it be denied? Um, you know, that's what people said to me. Well, I'm keeping it Coinbase. What's wrong with keeping it at Coinbase? Well, now how can anyone deny what's wrong with keeping it at Coinbase? If a country declares you a terrorist, a Western country declares you a terrorist, Coinbase, Coinbase will be forced to give your Bitcoin to them. I mean, and that's it. It's so what if Coinbase is, is insuring it? Okay. So, uh, I mean, the lessons of what's been going, the authoritarian nonsense that's been going around for two years now. In Western countries, I mean, I, I thought that was the best elevator pitch. You know, you, you tell that story that, that I mean, I mean, some people really don't learn until they've touched the stove, until they have been burnt in a horrifying way. Again, Leviticus even brought up the point. They got met, they got screwed by GoFundMe. Then they went to another third party, <laughs> and it was it was the third time. Finally, the, you know, we got to go all Bitcoin here. <sighs> Anyway, Leviticus, anything you want to add to the conversation here? Yeah, the Canadians, they're halfway there because they're starting to do bank runs and they're starting to pull the fiat out of um, out of the bank. But, you know, you're just taking the garbage out of the bag. You know, you have to get the Bitcoin. And then the other thing was the, the convoy leaders, they actually were making convoy coin. And for some reason, they refused to adopt Bitcoin. And I have no idea why. And I was just telling them how they're going to lose everybody's money if you don't, if you use anything but Bitcoin. And um, all I can say is we just have to up the education. And then I have many friends who own Bitcoin, but they refuse to buy a cold card or a Trezor. And moving on to there, again, it's going to take them losing it until they, they finally buy their hardware wallet. And then even for people to run their full nodes, start to learn the Lightning Network and just, you know, everyone can learn more. Uh, to improve the, the 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 Bitcoin like knowledge. Well, there's, there's something you brought up about uh, your people uh, not not moving it. We cans out there. Here's a story from uh, Decrypt. Most Bitcoin investors bought at the all-time high have sold. Now we had back on November 9th, November 10th, around that time, um, Bitcoin hit close to sixty-nine thousand dollars, and a. There are numbers out there that show that many of those people they sold, they they they, they couldn't hang on, and and that that right there shows you that there's a lot of people that do not get this still, and I'm I'm actually a man. I just can't, people keep repeating the same mistakes. It goes back to my twenty percent or eighty percent or premise. I mean, there's some people that will never learn, and then there's certain people you cannot you can reach out. And you're just wasting your breath with them. Seriously. So uh, I don't know if anyone has any comments on, on that that we can story that uh, most of the people who bought it at sixty nine thousand or whatever it was or even close to that have already sold. They didn't they didn't have the. This was we're talking only November now. It, that's not that long ago. It was it, 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 a quarter of a year ago? And they 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 couldn't hang on for that long. I mean, in the United States, we have short term capital gains taxes, uh, and <laughs> where you have to. I mean, you, you hang on for a year. 
then you don't have to pay those short-term capital gains. But uh, is, some people really don't get it. So uh, I don't know. Panel, do you, do you have any uh, thoughts on the the, uh, the weak hands selling uh, so, so so fast? I mean, well, I, I would just say that, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I wonder how much of that are people, uh, I don't suspect this is the majority of those people, but who um, you were taking advantage of like the wash sale rule, the fact that they could sort of, you know, reset their cost basis without having the penalty. I don't know, right? Um, I don't think there's that many people that are, you know, DGENs on Binance that are that sophisticated. <laughs> um, but yeah, but the other thing I was going to say is like the counterparty risk thing is fascinating connection at a whole other level with the, the Russia story because that has woken a lot of people up. Even like I just saw an article today in like Bloomberg about like like how that actually happens. So when we, sent, when we sanctioned the central bank, what we did is we basically said, you know, all of those dollars that Russia thinks are theirs aren't theirs, right? Because all dollars have to be cleared to the Federal Reserve. So all dollar clearance has to get the Federal Reserve stamp of approval. So everyone around the world kind of knew in the back of their mind that like, yeah, they had counterparty risk. Now it's like, oh, like a sovereign, sovereign immunity, sovereign central bank, like central banks are kind of like their own level of sovereign immunity. Like they don't mess with each other. So to see like them like just sort of take out one of their own, right? The Russian Central Bank, just like cap them over a weekend. I think that's like waking a lot of people up who are like, okay, well, yeah, like we, we have to have the dollar. Like our debts, the structural kind of system requires us to hold dollars. But I think they're thinking about, wait a second, like that risk that I had never even thought of as a possibility is real, right? They just like, just took, just deleted like, uh, like a major economy's dollar reserves just said nope not yours anymore um and i think that's like you know essentially the nation state equivalent of of everything else you're just talking about right like not not your dollars not your like not your like not your cheese right like uh so i think there's a, it's playing out on multiple levels um so i wanted to i want to sort of flag that 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 comparison no no, no that that was a that's a very good point does someone else have something to say about that i heard something uh oh uh, well i i i just wanted to say one thing was um as much as new blood came in into the uh, space with this new uh, bull run and whatnot, is uh, I can't tell you how many people are scared to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin is too expensive for them. They'll buy everything but Bitcoin, and they're only in it to kind of flip it to make more fiat money. And that's why I think the people selling at 69000 sold so uh, quickly. Yeah, I think people have to get used to it. You get into you – I got into Bitcoin – because it helps Adam Meister. It prevents a bank from confiscating my money. It protects me from inflation. It allows me to send wealth to anyone I want to. Okay. That is that is a good asset to have right there. Now, I it, a good money to have, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it will, because it actually does all those awesome things. Yeah, it'll make me rich too. It, it'll it'll do. I don't I don't have to worry about valuing my wealth in dollars though anymore. And I think if, if people get into that mindset, uh, they'll be better off. They won't be uh, prone to panic. And Matthew, no, I I don't think people are uh, most people are savvy enough to know about that te technique of selling for a loss before the year ends and then buying back. I I I doubt it was that. I people are <laughs> impulsive. Most people are. Most people are irrational most of the time. Um, you, you, you give people credit. I mean, it would be nice if it'd be nice if people were that financially savvy. That 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 was the reason why everybody sold it. No, I I I do doubt that. Now I would 
Before we move on, as I said before, I got to bring up the Miami, the uh, Bitcoin 2022. They're paying the bills around here is the largest Bitcoin event ever that takes place April the 6th and 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. All four days will be packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements, and incredible lineup of expert Bitcoin speakers and leaders. And I'm going to be there too, dudes. You'll be able to touch my hair. Uh, day one is industry day for those who are looking to build a Bitcoin business or career. Day two and three, and I'm going to be going wild on day two and three, are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador, El Presidente, Nayib Bukele. And I'm going to ask the crowd what they think of him, who has uh, promised the crowd here, who promised a big surprise. Oh, a big surprise. U.S. Senator Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming. You know, don't put her on a pedestal, but she's better than a... What's her face from Massachusetts? Thought leaders like Jordan Peterson. Now that's going to be interesting. As well as CEOs like Michael Saylor. Oh, everyone worships him. Elizabeth Stark, Jack Mallers, Adam Beck, and hundreds more. The conference caps off with the world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival. Uh, the Sound Money Festival uh, is headlining by these rappers that I don't know and other DJs that I don't know. I mean, you know, Baltimore, I'm from Baltimore originally. I used to go to raves and stuff, but I don't know these DJs anymore. Come on. Uh, and uh, shout out to Baltimore. Last year's conference sold out, and this year's is on pace to be three times larger. So, dudes, there might be like 30,000 Bitcoiners there. So, who knows what we're. Last year, they accused us of super spreading a virus. This year, we're freaking super spreading freedom. But somehow we super spread that last year, too. So, make sure you grab your tickets before it's too late. Visit B. TC that's I mean slash conference to learn more. It's linked to below. Pay in Bitcoin to save. Oh God, I wouldn't do that. Use promo code Adam10 for 10% off. And I will see you in Miami. Ticket prices increase on March the 18th. So the question is, Matthew, were you there last year? Will you be there this year? And what do you think about um the president of El Salvador? I was fortunately was not able to go last year. I've got two young daughters, so those uh, keep me occupied. Um uh, actually, I think I may be uh, on a panel uh, that Friday night uh, at the conference. Uh, it's like they're putting together a panel on uh, kind of the unraveling of the petrodollar system. So maybe chatting with uh, a few of the folks, Nick Carter, maybe Lynn Alden. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly who else is going to be up there. So, yeah, I have to. Uh, it reminds me, I have to go book my flight and my hotel because I think it's pretty much all sold out. So I'll probably end up at like the Days Inn uh, up in uh, <laughs> some random part of Miami. But uh yeah, yeah, that'll be our first, uh, my first Bitcoin conference, actually. Um, so that'll be an interesting experience. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, should be fun. Dude, it will be great to meet you in person, to shake your hand, to hug you, to whatever, man. Um, yeah, you know, six, six feet, right? Six feet. We got to, you know, social distance, right? <laughs> All right, good. And what, what's your, your, since you do do some investigation into authoritarian regimes, what is your take on uh, El Salvador? I guess I have sort of a boring, like, wait and see, right? Like, I certainly, strategically, it's, like, extremely interesting. And I applaud the boldness of the move, uh, which on the surface is dramatic. And, you know, I think a net good for Bitcoin. Um, but I think devil's in the details, right? Like, at, at the sovereign level, in a state like that, you know, you never know what's really happening behind the scenes. And I don't know all the sort of in-the-weeds politics, right? So I don't quite know you know, how to judge. And, you know, Bitcoiners have pushed people up like Elon Musk on a pedestal only for them to like, you know, 
yeah. uh, you know, turn, turn around and like just crap all over us. Right. So like, I think it's like good to stand, have some critical distance to, and have no particular heroes in the Bitcoin space and like reward good behavior, but like maintain healthy skepticism. Um, so that's kind of my position is like, I applaud the move. I'm supportive. I want it to be successful, but I'm not just like blind to any potential, um, you know, uh, kind of, you know, issues uh, that maybe I'm not aware of or that may take a while to, to manifest themselves. So, you know, cautiously optimistic is sort of my idea. All right. Good, good take. And there always could be a coup in such countries. You never know. Uh, I, I don't put anybody on a pedestal. Uh, so let's, let's hear from Citizen Satoshi, man. Are you, have you been to a conference ever, Citizen Satoshi? Do you have interest in going to conferences, Miami? And your take on El Salvador. I have not been to a conference yet, but I did just move across the country because I fell in love. So that happened on Monday. So you never know what could happen. I might end up going to the conference. Um, you know, I, I echo mostly what Matt Matthew said. It's like healthy skepticism. But I, I think there's just too much cynicism in the world in general. It's like reserve your your judgment until the end whatever but uh why not why not lead with some hope and some optimism like pretty much everything i've seen from bukele has been positive and reassuring he seems to be like a true bitcoiner um some people don't like the volcano bonds i like the volcano bonds i like the idea of, of you know mining there and bitcoin city i kind of like it all so like why not just go with some some hope and optimism on this like there are there are good political people in the world. I think we just, especially like as American, uh, I don't know about you Canadians, but it's like, we just blanket see them all as like scumbags, but there are good people out there who want to like do good things. So I'm hoping Bukele is one of them. Thank you to your beautiful lady for retweeting this, for spreading the word, by the way. I see, uh, I, I, I see she's out there. I, I see, Good job, good job, man. That, value your wealth in Bitcoin, guys. But there's some good people out there, definitely. I I tell I, I tell the people, you know, don't get too caught up in, in the ladies because, well, especially I'm going to Vegas. I know I'm not going to get tricked by some lady. Hey, it's all of a sudden real friendly to me, and you lose up all, all your all your Bitcoin. T terrible. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. But thank you to your lady. Seriously, you're cool, lady. I know you're 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 hearing this and everything. Thank you very much. All right, um, and I hope to meet you both in person one day because meeting. I mean, Citizen, what we're going to talk about in a second, what you're doing on uh, Twitter spaces and everything like that. But, you know, we've been virtual worlds, dude. OK, I know the youth are into it now, but there's something about the, the real flesh and blood, baby. We cannot forget that. We cannot forget that. And that's what these uh, events are all about. Now, I'd, I'd ask Leviticus if he's coming down to the event, but he's in Canada. He's like a slave up there. So they don't they don't let the slaves out of the pen. Um, but uh, <laughs> what's, what's your take on my Abby Leviticus? Oh, I, I wish I lived there. Uh, the weather's uh, nicer. The uh, you know, it's it's trying to be Bitcoin capital of the world, competing with I guess uh, Texas and Lewis uh, Parker there or whatnot. I mean, um, uh, I, I wish I could go. I wanted to go last year so bad, but the restrictions were um, like they, they were the same. It probably would have cost like probably been like at least a ten thousand dollar trip, like getting the hotels like back and forth, the the self tests, and. Um, I actually really want to emigrate from from uh, Canada, but I don't want to touch my Bitcoin stack. So I'm just kind of waiting until maybe like the next couple of halvings and then seeing. But I think I will actually emigrate from Canada eventually, <laughs> especially with the clowns 
were running the show. If someone like Polly Pavere, some of the better conservatives maybe can lead us in, it would be cooler. But like I said, I, I wish I was a Miami uh, citizen. I wish uh, Alberta would secede from Canada and join the United States. Pound that like button. Work on it, people. Bitcoiners can fund. Maybe that's what's next, dude. Bitcoiners helping uh, helping to fund the secession movement in, in different countries. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't believe what was going on right now. So uh, you don't know. I mean, that is that is the cool thing about Bitcoin. Uh, oh, something that was also said here. I want to ask. Uh, Ch Chairman Powell said something about uh, the dollar doesn't have to be the only uh, reserve currency. Uh, no, yeah, Powell. Possible to have more than one reserve currency. He here's my take on this, dudes. I, mean, I know everyone's getting so oh, maybe Bitcoin will be a, a reserve currency. I just want the United States to not tax, you know, just treat Bitcoin as money. D don't force it on people like uh, El Salvador sort of did. Like, you know, you have to accept Bitcoin. But just be like, yeah, Bitcoin's money. The, we're not going to tax it for cap. It, it, it would be so nice. So I hope uh, uh, Bitcoin policy, are, are they working on that at all? Talking about that? Uh, you know, we don't have like a like a massive plank for like policy recommendations necessarily. Although, you know, that's part of the conversation is just how to make Bitcoin more successful in, in the United States. Um so we haven't published like a list of like, here's our demands for, for, for legislation. And to your point, like we take more of like a do no harm stance, which is like, we don't think the US government needs to do anything proactively to like help Bitcoin, as long as they just don't actively like harm it for Americans at the expense of our citizens against others. Well, right. Think, and so I yeah. think they are harming it though with capital gains tax on it. I mean, when you sell it. I yeah. Think yeah. Well, I mean, and that gets to, I mean, again, like, well, I, I, I it's like difference between, I, like what's realistic versus what's like practical, right? And the people fall on different ends of that spectrum, which is like, are you going to be more successful by sort of making those incremental improvements or do you just sort of go for the end zone, Hail Mary pass, like legal tender? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm a pragmatist. Like what's going to be the biggest bang for the buck? What's going to result in like tangible, practical improvements with like, you know, the mod with like the highest probability of success? Um, everyone has sort of different judgments on that. I think that's going to be the end result. But I just don't know how you get there. Like, what are the intermediate steps? Or do you just go for that all, all in one fell swoop? Um, yeah, I mean, it would be great. It certainly would, would be uh, would be really helpful. But uh, yeah, I also, I'm, I'm a pragmatist uh, at, at heart. So that's, that's at least my personal view of, of just, right. you know, what's likely. Citizen of Satoshi, as a, as a citizen of, of America, uh, what do you think about the, the uh, getting rid of this uh, capital, just treating Bitcoin as money? Well, I was going to mention earlier, it's like the fact that whatever percentage people sold the all-time high, I think is actually like a good thing. Because um, what you were saying, like you like that it gives you freedom and sovereignty and all that stuff, but most people don't care about that. Um, like it's just not relevant to their lives yet. Um, but in my opinion, it's coming. Like it's coming to the U.S. and it's going to wake a lot of people up really quickly, kind of like it did with, with some of the Canadians. So it's like like Satoshi engineered greed into the system. It was maybe the most genius part of Bitcoin. The fact that it's going to make, it's going to make you wealthy. And so all the other stuff is kind of ancillary to that, but it's going to become like front and center soon. You know, I think it's, it's coming to, to the U S so all those, those assets, the, the facets of Bitcoin that we like so much are going to become so important. 
it prevents you from becoming poor because of government overreach. I mean, that's nice. Uh, that's a nice way to sell it. Government overreach can make you poor. This ensures that that cannot happen to you. Uh, I'd like. So I want to ask about your what's up with your Twitter spaces, man? This esoteric stuff, man. What's a uh, what's going on? You talk about some very interesting things. Yeah, it's funny how many Bitcoiners we have in those spaces. You know, it's like there's so many esoteric elements to to Bitcoin. And so you're, you're talking to the truckers there in Canada, Leviticus, and it's like, you know, they don't they don't realize that they're signing up for like a new religion or that their whole value structures are going to change. And, you know, whatever else happens to people once they get orange pills. But we we like talking kind of about, you know, whatever is esoteric and different um, things that you don't get a lot of exposure to. Um, and it's not religious by any means. It's just esoteric and different and bitcoin comes up over and over again like we just had uh dr jack cruz on last sunday and we were chatting with him i don't, I don't know if you guys know him but he's great he's worth a follow and um you know all this like alternative stuff alternative health stuff led into bitcoin for him and it's like it's weird that those things are just it's just a perfect match but it bitcoin kind of ties in with all of it there's there's a big overlap uh i've noticed or and not a big overlap but there's an overlap between those who are, have open minds about health uh, that, that want to go beyond the traditional system and that want to go beyond the traditional financial system also. Uh, there, there's, there's definitely, I mean, I'm interested in both. I, I know who I know who he is. I con I actually contacted him before and I didn't stop. I don't know, I was going to have him on, but I, very, very interesting stuff. So all three of these dudes are linked to below. So if, if you up on, on your Twitter, you, you say when you're going live, when you're about to go live. So follow all these dudes. Uh, all right, let's, uh, Leviticus, what are you up to uh, up there? Any interesting stories you have? Well, it's sad that the, that the, the convoy was, uh, you know, put, put to a halt. However, the spores, it has shot into the globe, but there are now convoys all over the world and it started a freedom movement that hasn't uh, stopped yet. And, uh, so that makes me very proud to be a Canadian that, you know, the honking movement might have been one of the first things to kind of, to try and defeat this vaccine mandate. Um, but uh, other than that, though, it's it's very sad to see Justin Trudeau enact the Emergencies Act over the most peaceful protest I think I've ever seen in my whole life. And um, and then uh, now he's using this Ukrainian uh uh, did distraction. He's introducing a UBI bill called S233. And yeah, it's a universal basic income. And of course, you have to be vaccinated to, to participate in it. And he's trying to slip it through during all this hype. And um, I, I guess that's really the what's what's hot on my plate at the moment. Well, I, I will hand it to the Canadians. Before the truckers uh, situation, you were just Australians. And now you're way more than that, baby. So pound that like button for Canada. Don't let that dude sneak in. I mean, he is a sneaky dude, that, that Trudeau. Emergencies acts. I mean, all sorts of stuff. It's, I mean, war is horrifying. And so it's, I mean, on, on the basis level. But it's it's also bad that this war has now, you know, uh, given him cover. It has given, given all sorts of Western tyrants cover to try to do things like this. Uh, to continue these weird situations. It is true in the United States, though. I mean, it's it's basically over. I mean, all, all these restrictions. It, it's uh, even in, you know, in, in very liberal cities, uh, they're they're just you know getting rid of the mask and all that stuff. So I, I've said for the last two years, uh, the United States has proven itself to be the most uh, 
you know, not I mean, freedom loving country on earth. It, it really is. I mean, they don't fully embrace freedom. Clearly, there's a lot of authoritarians in the Senate and Congress, but we've had it the best uh, because we have 50 competing states. We've got a good system here. And it just, it's really sad because I loved going to Edmonton. I loved going to Australia and just to see how, you know, the, the true, the truth down there, it's, it's, it's or up there and down there, it's, it's very disappointing. All right. Well, we want to leave. We want to leave it on a, a positive note, Matthew. What What are you up to, man? You've been you've, you've given us a well, and also I'll just go over it anyway. If is there anything, any other stories you wanted to add, Matthew? And what are you up to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's it's good to have some positive notes, right? You know, this is kind of a scary geopolitical uncertain time. Um, and you know, I, I honestly like you know, I, I encourage everyone else to kind of take away from the news, right? Like. Go out for a run, go to the woods. I, you know, I like playing with my two young daughters and just like not watching Twitter and, you know, just trying to like do some non-Bitcoin, non-geopolitics, non, you know, uh, crazy stuff. Uh, I, I encourage folks to do that. Right. And just kind of, you know, get away from it. Cause like. Live streaming is on. Yeah. Continue what you're saying. Sorry. Live streaming yeah. is on. I would just say, you know, like I was, you know, you can like doom scroll right on Twitter to your, to your sort get like, you know, like, like palm sweats. And it's just like, go, go out, you know, it's gonna be spring, you know, I'm ready to, you know, hit the park and, you know, do some fun stuff. So that's, that's what I would, that's what I would leave on. Get yes. out there. The real world. So go to these real world events, people. Again, I have a ticket to give away to Las Vegas for anyone who's watching this. Contact me. I'm pretty sure I got a ticket. I will be in Las Vegas on uh, starting tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Thursday at the D Hotel, unconfiscatable. But really, dudes, there, as I've said throughout the last two years, there's the, all the bad stuff that you hear about and you overreact. It, it ends. It's a blip on the radar. You know, I've been in this game since 2013, bought my first Bitcoin, two Bitcoin in November of 2013. I've seen so many crashes, this, that, and it, it always returns to its all-time high for all you people who sold at $69,000. Because I remember those people who sold at $1,100 and said it was going to return to $1,100, said it wasn't going to re return to $20,000. They look real smart now. All right, yeah, so, so, a, a, any stories uh, that we should have uh, covered, Citizen of Satoshi? Like you said, it's kind of like same old blip on the radar. You know, we just keep chugging along. Um, you know, if I were to leave people with a with a note of what's on my mind, it's like I'm, I've never been happier. All all the stuff that's going on in the world, the whole COVID thing, um, it's 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 glorious from my point of view. I, I have a friend. He says complacency is the antidote to enlightenment. And so how do we get to a better world? Like, what, what are we going to do? You know, how do we motivate people to come up with big ideas, re-engineer all of our systems in a way that's sustainable into the far future and, and better for everyone? It's like you got to make people uncomfortable. Otherwise, they're not going to they're not going to move and act. So, you know, Matthew, like we're talking about, like doom scrolling and, and all that. It's like I pay attention. I just don't resonate with it. Like, I don't I don't match my mind to that frequency. And if you can just observe it with with gratitude, um, it's a whole different experience because I'm incredibly enthusiastic and optimistic about the way things are and the way things are going. I, I got to agree with you. Golden age. I've, I'm the happiest I've been, too. I don't as an, on an individual level. I, it's great. Life is great. Don't put yourself into this bigger collective. You join this mass media collective where they tell you to be scared. You're part of this collective, so you should be scared about what's going on in Russia. No, you're here in the United States, Canada, whatever. 
deal with your on the ground situation, fix it yourself. Do not uh, export your feelings, your power to some collective and let them decide if you're happy or you're sad. It, it is. Yeah. I, it's been a great two years. It's been an incredible two years. All right. We will alien financial. I remember the last time you were on the show, you said something wild at the end. So <laughs> here's, your, here's your chance. Just if you want to say something wild or anything, you get the uh, last word. Uh, I, I don't quite have anything as wild to say as recommending the Unabomber's um, manifesto to read, which I still recommend to read. But I, I will say keep fasting, keep pumping weights, eat healthy, take vitamins, uh, microdose uh, mushrooms, and just uh, stay healthy. So when you sell in the 2032 having that you are so young, fit, and healthy, and you can enjoy all your millions because you took care of your body. Dude. Actually, is, uh, that's better than what you said last time. Yeah, I, 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 think you, I think you beat it. All right, dudes, that is it. It's Wednesday, so I can't say Shabbat Shalom, but I will say have a good weekend. Have a Shabbat Shalom uh, starting Friday night. I will see people watch this in Vegas. And uh, thank you very much, guest and my two newbie guests. Great debut. Uh, Leviticus, thank you for returning. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister to Disrupt Meister. And buy those tickets to Miami. Use the Adam 10. You buy those tickets to Oklahoma City. If you got questions, DM me, email me. Have a great rest of the week. Pound that like button. See you all later. Thanks a lot, dudes. And that's it on that end. And let me end it on...